Hey everyone, this is James Wilson with MTB Strength Training Systems and welcome to the Riding for a Lifetime podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping the 40 plus year old rider know how to use training and nutrition and other tactics to help them not only ride better but feel better and improve their longevity. And so today what we're going to be talking about is core training for the 40 plus year old rider. And now, first of all, a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about are just good core training tactics. Like you would benefit from these core training tactics and strategies no matter how old you are. But what we're going to do is take a look at these things specifically through the lens of the 40 plus year old rider and just talk about some things that we need to consider, maybe some things that we need to uh, think about and and emphasize more than uh, the younger rider necessarily needs to. And so uh, first off, we're going to talk about uh, you know what is core strength, right? So core strength and core training are two uh, buzzwords really that dominate uh, fitness in a lot of ways, uh, but really dominate discussions around improving your MTB specific fitness in the gym. It is one of those almost like knee jerk reactions if you ask somebody. You know, if I, I want to get better on the bike, you know, especially if I want to, you know, start working out, what should I do? And, uh, you know, getting the advice to uh, improve your core strength is uh, inevitably going to come up. And this is also really true if you have some sort of low back issue. If you're a rider and you deal with low back pain, then uh, improving your core strength, quote unquote, is, uh, again, one of the, the, the very common pieces of advice that you're going to get. And so uh, what I want to look at, though, is like, well, what exactly is core, the, the core? How do we train it? Um, you know, what are some things that we want to keep in mind? Are there some things that we can do on the bike that could help improve our core strength, right? And so because riding a mountain bike, uh, you know, provides stress to the body. So are there some benefits to, core, to the core just from simply riding your bike? Um, so uh, like I said, it, it's pretty widely recognized that having a strong core can help improve your performance. Again, there's a reason that core training is so popular because it definitely has a place and uh, having a, a weak or dysfunctional core can definitely impede your performance and increase your likelihood of injury, specifically in the, the low back area, right? So if you want to improve your performance and prevent injuries, then we need to uh, look at core strength and, and, what, and core training, right? So first off, what are the core muscles? Uh, so uh, again, a lot of people generally think of the abdomen and the low back. So like, you know, the, the abs and the low back area, like is, is that is the core, uh, that is a very important part of the core, but by definition in the, in the fitness world, uh, but people who, you know, know what they're talking about, at least, um, your the core is everything that's not the head, arms and legs, right? So if you chopped off the head, arms and legs, you'd be left with the core. And so that, that core of the body uh, includes also the hips, also includes the shoulder girdle. So uh, these areas, as well as how they're connected and work together, are a big factor in core strength. And so again, this is important to keep in mind because if you want to improve your core strength and you aren't uh, also doing some things that integrate the hips and the shoulder girdle into the rest of the core, then, or you don't realize that you need to be thinking about these things and you have bad position and you're not using them properly while you're doing your core training, then we're not getting everything we can out of our, our workouts. So, uh, you know, what is the function 
of the core. Uh, so again, because we want to, uh, you know, looking good is is awesome, but uh, you're probably listening to this podcast because you are interested in also improving your performance. And so if you want to improve your performance, how do we train the core for improved performance? And so uh, the one of the main things that the core does is to provide stability. Uh, this protects the spine and it also provides a platform for us to move from. So again, there's a saying that you'll you, that you might have heard in, in the fitness world around, around core training, and it's that you can't fire a cannon from a canoe, right? Like if you're going to <clears throat> fire a cannon, you're going to have a lot of force being produced. Then you need a a stable uh, platform. You need like a warship, right? If you try to fire a cannon from a canoe, you would sink the canoe. It wouldn't uh, it wouldn't work very well, and so. Uh, a lot of times how strong, how much strength and force that you can display can be uh, your, your core strength, your ability to create a platform can play a role in how well you're able to do that. So again, this is one of the reasons that core training and core strength has become uh, such a big uh, you know, focus, especially in the functional training world, is because that can be a weak link for some people. Like you can, especially if you've you know spent a lot of time working out on machines that don't really you know require you to use as much core strength, then you know you get a lot of strength in your limbs, and then you try to use that strength, and you find that you're not able to to use it as efficiently as you would think, and that's because the core is the limiting factor. And so by strengthening the core, you can take away that limiting factor and and actually allow somebody to display more of the strength that they have in their limbs. And so this is why it's important that you make sure that you are developing good core strength <clears throat> along with the, you know, the strength in the rest of your body because you don't want that to be the limiting factor uh, in, your, in your performance. So uh, you do need some movement through the core muscles. <clears throat> and again, I'll, I'll you know, touch on, on some of this as we go through this, but you don't want to... Uh, uh, there's, there's a difference between stability and stiffness. I guess that's really kind of a good segue into this uh, subject. And so stiffness is something that you can't turn on and off. It is, it's always there. And stability is uh, tension that you can turn on and off. So if you've got tension in an area and it's just always there, then that's stiffness, right? You can get stiff in your lower back. Uh, for example, or you can have good stability. That's what we want. And that is when you can create uh, tension in that area when you need it. And then you can relax when you don't need it. And so what we want to do is develop stability through the core and not develop stiffness. And so stiffness will develop as a, as, as a mechanism to uh, try to provide stability. And it will also You'll, you'll develop stiffness in an area when you don't require or, or ask it to move very much because stability is metabolically expensive compared to stiffness. Stiffness, the, there's this residual tension. It doesn't require uh, you know, a lot of energy to produce, right? Whereas stability, it requires energy to produce that, uh, the, the tension and then it requires energy to relax that tension. So stiffness uh, the reason that you get stiff if you're you know in a position uh, a lot and you and you don't require the body to move through other ranges of motion, then your body starts to develop stiffness as a reaction to that because it's more metabolically efficient to be stiff 
than it is to provide stability. And so that's why like you don't want to go so far in the area of, of you know, trying to create stability through the core that you start to create stiffness in the core. You do need to be able to, you know, move. Your spine should be able to, to, uh, to move. You should be able to articulate each uh, vertebrae, you know, uh, you should be able to, to twist and turn and move. And so again, not under load, right? Like there's difference between your ability to move through space and your ability to apply force through that movement. And so the, the there are, you know, you can't apply the same exact uh, movement, um, I guess, desires to both of those contexts. And so if we're just talking about mobility, then, you know, for example, uh, you know, the, the sun salutation in yoga, right? Where you, uh, you, you bend down and you touch your toes and then you slowly come up and you're thinking about trying to stack one vertebrae on top of the other. You're basically rolling your spine up one vertebrae at a time, uh, until you get to the top and then you actually lean back into a slight, uh, back bend and then you release and you come forward and you do that again. And so you are, you're, you're moving your spine, right? You're creating movement through the spine. That's a great exercise uh, to do to help maintain suppleness and, and, and good movement through the spine. Now, would I load that up and try and do that under a bunch of load? Probably not. If I'm going to lift hundreds of pounds, I'm going to get my spine nice and straight and stable and I'm going to do like a good hip hinge deadlift type movement. But I don't want to not be able to do that, right? Like if you go so far in the range in, in, in the area of, of, of stability that you create stiffness. And so now you can't even bend over and touch your toes because you're so stiff through that low back. That's going to create its own problems as well. So you have to maintain a, a, a balance between the movement and the stability uh, that you want from the core. But when we're talking about core training, most of the time, what we're talking about is the ability of the core to stabilize and help support, uh, you know, create a platform for you to move from. And so that's the, um, so that's our, our uh, you know, the, the function of the core muscles. So uh, lastly, now, now that we've kind of established, like, okay, what is the core, right? It's that, that center of the body. Uh, you know, what does it do? It, it, one, it creates movement, but it also, a big part of it is it creates stability and creates the, the platform for us to move from. So uh, lastly, so does mountain biking build adequate core strength, right? Like are we, do we even need to worry about building core strength in the gym, right? Like if, does, does riding our bike give us enough uh, stimulus to build core strength and, and, and do we even need to worry about training our core muscles off the bike, right? And so, um, so this is kind of a, uh, a, a two-part question here. Now, first off, I believe that mountain biking has a bit of a bad rap for, uh, for need, you know, being, you know, not developing good core strength, mainly because most people sit down too much to ride. Like if you, if you listen to my podcast, if you follow me for any amount of time, you know I'm a big advocate for standing pedaling. I believe that most riders sit down way too much. And so when you stand up, again, my, my, my idea is not stand up all the time, right? Stand up during hard efforts. Like when you go into high tension mode and you're having to create a lot of tension, uh, either through pedaling or you're going through like a technical downhill or something like that, like then you should be standing up. 
through these high tension efforts. And then during low tension efforts, when, when it's easy, go ahead and sit down, right? Recover, right? So you want to use seated and standing pedaling, but you want to try to apply standing pedaling to the high tension efforts and seated pedaling to the low tension efforts. And, and most riders just try to sit down through everything. They try to apply seated tension even to their high tension efforts. So what this, the problem is, is when you're in a seated position, your core is in a bad uh, in a bad spot, right? That is a dysfunctional position for you to be seat- sitting in, right? Like you're basically, you know, with that rounded lower back, the rounded spine, uh, you're basically in like in what I call the adult fetal position, right? Like you're, you're basically in a little, in a fetal position, uh, trying to create a lot of tension. And of course you're going to have problems when you're doing that. This is a, it's not a good position for your spine to be in. The other thing is when you're sitting down, the seat is helping to support your weight. And so your core is not engaged to the same degree that it is when you're standing up. And so you're not getting as much engagement. So you're not getting as much core strength benefit from your riding and the strength that you're building, you are building it in a, in a dysfunctional position and, and, you know, using bad patterns, which is going to create a lot of problems. And so this is, I think that, you know, mountain biking, you know, a lot of mountain bikers suffer from low back pain. And so again, like I was saying earlier, a lot of times the answer to low back pain is to, well, strengthen your core. And so I think this is kind of how we've gotten to this point where, where core training has become so such a, a central part of training for mountain biking. And mountain biking is seen as like, you know, mountain bikers are, are seen as requiring a lot of core training is because of the, the prevalence of low back pain and the thought that like, well, that low back pain must be coming from poor core strength. When I believe that it's not poor core strength, I believe that it's bad core positioning during high tension efforts on the bike. So you can build the, the best core strength off of the bike, but then when you get on the bike and you're, and you're applying tension through seated pedaling, you're not applying the, the core strength that you've been working on in the gym, right? Like when you're in the gym training your core, you're not sitting in a rounded low back position trying to create tension and movement. In fact, you would be discouraged from doing that because of the injury potential that it would have. So you get on the bike and you start putting your body in this position that you would never put it in in the gym because you recognize that this is a, a potential injurious position, especially if you start applying a lot of tension to it. So you stand up more and now your, your spine's in a better position. You're able to get your hips more engaged. You're able to get your, your core more engaged. There's just so many benefits to standing up for your core that I think that uh, if more riders stood up more, that we would have way less low back pain in mountain biking. And, and you would see that mountain biking actually creates good core strength in and of itself. So if you are a seated pedaling rider uh, and you rely on seated pedaling for everything, then you aren't developing very good core strength from riding. You're developing dysfunctional core strength from riding. And you're probably going to need a lot of work off of the bike in order to try to correct that and keep the injury potential that is that that will uh, bring on at bay right but if you are a standing pedaling rider and you stand up more then you have a different outcome from your rides you are getting really good core training stimulus you are developing uh, better core strength from that you are aren't putting your body in such a, a dysfunctional position and you're not putting as much you know potential stress on your lower back uh, through uh, just being in a better position and having more core engagement. So if you're doing that, 
you still need to work on core strength, right? You, you just don't need to do as much and you don't need to try to offset as much, uh, you know, bad stuff that's happening on the bike. And so you, you're going to be able to get away with less time and energy spent to develop great core strength than you would if you are a seated pedaling rider. I guess that's, that's kind of my, my, uh, my take on that. And so, uh, so again, like the, that's, in, and like I said, even if you are a standing pedaling rider, then you're going to still benefit from uh, adding some strength training stuff, right? And so some of my favorite strength training exercises for core training for mountain bikers, uh, things like the ab wheel, right? Where you, where you got that wheel that you hold and you're down on your knees and you, you roll out to almost like a flat position and then and then roll it back in. Uh, really good for the, the core. That works that shoulder girdle uh, stability really well. Um, leg raises, uh, either on the ground or preferably hanging from a bar, right? Like toes to bar or shins to bar, like where you're, you're hanging from a bar and you raise your legs up and, and touch your toes or shins to the bar. That's a really, really good uh, core training exercise as well. And also uh, windmills. And so windmills, if you're not familiar with them, um, you can go to bikejames.com and do a search for windmill and you'll find a bunch of uh, videos and, and explanations about this exercise. But the windmill is basically your ability to, to twist properly, right? And so uh, your ability to twist is extremely important. And so I'll touch on that um, here in uh, a little bit because I want to talk about some of the, the core training stuff that, you know, some specific um, uh, some specific recommendations, right? So I'll touch on, on, on the windmill and, and why it's so important here in a minute. But my point is, is that you will benefit from doing some extra strength training stuff when it comes to core training, because you're going to build a strength reserve, right? So one of the goals of strength training is to help you gain more strength than what you're able to build from doing your sport alone so that you can have a strength reserve to one, act as a potential uh, stimulus for more strength uh, gains than what you would get from just riding your bike alone, but also so you can handle unexpectedly high loads, right? So if you have to like land a, a hard drop or, you know, take some sort of like hit or there's, there's some sort of like, you know, uh, a, a load that is, is higher than what you normally encounter, the more of a strength reserve you have, the, the harder it's going to be to knock you into, you know, an, an injury potential position, uh, you know, from these unexpectedly high loads. So you want to develop a strength reserve. And so it's not just enough. This is one of the reasons that just playing your sport, which while is the best thing you can do to get better at your sport, right? Mountain biking is the best thing you can do to get better at mountain biking. You will find that your performance will get better if you are using strength training to build a strength reserve to help you, uh, you know, take your performance even higher. So, um, so again, my, my, uh, you know, the, the core, um, is that platform that provides stability when we move. And while you can get better core engagement from standing up more on the bike, which is what I recommend, it does help to train your core muscles off the bike to build the strength reserve needed to increase performance and to help prevent injuries. Um, so another thing to keep in mind is that if you're doing free weight exercises, kind of, you know, quote unquote, uh, you know, both functional and also some non-functional exercises, which I'll touch on here in a second, um, or what are viewed as non-functional, uh, you know, free weight exercises in general are also a type of core training, right? Your core muscles are being engaged simply from lifting weights, 
right? So doing things like squats and deadlifts, like, you know, standing military presses, uh, like these things, you know, engage your core. And so again, you don't have to go crazy with the core training. You don't have to have like a whole day dedicated to core training or a whole core training routine or, you know, 10, 15 different exercises to build core strength, right? If you're doing good, solid strength training, then you are getting core engagement every time that you are lifting a weight, right? And so even exercises like bicep curls and lateral raises, right? Things that we generally consider to be quote unquote non-functional um, and, and more of a bodybuilding style thing. But again, I've talked about why it's important for the 40 plus year old rider to incorporate bodybuilding type stuff into their program to, to help build that muscle mass reserve that we're going to need uh, as we get older. Um, the uh, But even, like I said, like these, you know, uh, bodybuilding type exercises still produce a lot of core engagement. Like when you're doing a heavy bicep curl or heavy lateral raise, uh, your core is having to engage to stabilize the spine for you to curl and move the weights around. And so it's a good uh, isometric training for the core just doing, uh, like I said, like some some quote-unquote isolation exercises. So again, good strength training um, will help take care of your core training. So you don't need to do a crazy bunch of core training, right? So, uh, so there, I, I've, I've touched on a couple of, uh, recommendations, right? The ab wheel, the, the, the leg raises, um, the, the windmill is one I want to touch more on the windmill here. Uh, you know, some, some skills that often get overlooked when we're talking about core training. So the windmill is basically your ability to twist through the core in a safe way. Um, and now this is the movement skill behind cornering. The reason that a lot of riders really struggle with cornering is because they lack this movement skill and they lack strength through this movement skill. And so, you know, like you do need to lean your body in order to turn your bike, but you, you don't want to lean your body over. That's how you end up like tipping your weight inside and end up crashing, right? What you want to do is you want to twist your body, which creates a balanced lean. And that twisting is what we're training with the windmill. And so again, the, the windmill exercise, um, you know, again, it's kind of hard to describe through through a podcast. I really encourage you to go check out a, uh, a video of it, especially at my site. Because there's, there's some different versions. Like you say the word windmill, you'll find some different versions. I'd really recommend you check out like the version that I uh, recommend because I think that that has the most transfer for us as mountain bikers, because you basically have your, your feet set in like a, a pedal stance, like very similar to where your feet would be if you're standing on your pedals and you are shifting your weight to the back leg and you are rotating through the hips and preferably the thoracic spine as you hinge over in order to bring your, your, you know, the, your hand down towards the floor and then drive yourself back up. And again, if you do this properly, you're going to be twisting through the hips and the upper back, the, the, the T-spine, the thoracic spine, and you're going to stay stable through, the, uh, through your core and stable through your, your shoulder girdle, right? You're not going to be moving the shoulders a bunch and, and, and unpacking them and putting in, them into a bad position. You're going to be keeping the, the shoulders packed in, moving through the T-spine, keeping the, the lower back. Uh, stable and moving through the hips. And so that's a critical, critical movement skill for you to develop as a mountain biker. And it's a critical type of core strength for you to have 
both as a mountain biker and also just in everyday life. Like your ability to twist properly while protecting your lower back is very important, right? Like you have to twist, you have to move, you have to create rotation uh, and, and, you know, both in order to move. And sometimes you get caught off guard and, and move and have to move that way unexpectedly. And so if the only way that you've ever trained yourself to move is these very like linear patterns, then you're going to struggle with these rotational patterns. And these rotational patterns are the more complex patterns that are used uh, for, for movement skills like cornering our bike. And so, uh, so again, you can start with the stick windmill, which is just using a, a, a broomstick on your back. Um, so you don't even need any load at all, right? There's a version where you're, you're holding a kettlebell overhead. Uh, there's a version that I've developed where you're using a steel mace uh, it, uh, on your back, kind of in the place of the stick, but add some load to it. So there's several different ways that you can do this, but you want to start with the stick windmill. Start with developing the mobility through that uh, you know, through, through that range of motion and be able to, to move in a way. Cause again, like your ability to, to move properly is that foundation for, for strength, right? You need to be able to move first and then you can create strength through that movement. And so until you have that movement ability, you shouldn't be trying to worry about building the core strength through it, but just improving your ability to move through it is going to improve your core strength because it means you're going to be able to use your core more effectively. You're not going to be twisting through the core. You're going to be able to keep the core or you know your, your, your lower back, the, the areas you want to stay engaged are going to stay engaged, which will increase your strength you know, just from improving your mobility and your ability to, to create that movement. So the, the windmill motion is uh, an extremely, extremely, extremely important movement skill for you to have, especially as we get older, because you start to, you know, again, man, when you're in your 20s, you can get away with so much, right? And as you get older, the wear and tear starts to accumulate, uh, old injuries start to add up. Man, for a lot of us, our lower backs are have, have taken some blows, right? And so trying to keep your low back feeling good and functioning well is, you know, a priority as you get older, man. Your lower back starts to go out and it'll just ruin your day in so many different ways. So protecting that low back is extremely important. And this windmill motion is one of the best ways that you can do that as an older rider because it will develop that movement and strength that you need to be able to twist properly. And so that's what's going to protect your lower back uh, on the bike and, and in the real world as well. So make sure that you are working on this ability to to, to, to twist properly, right? To, uh, to corkscrew basically is the way that I think about it. Right? If, you, if you do this right, you're corkscrewing and you're, you're twisting and you're creating all this rotational movement, but your weight is staying centered over your feet. And, and again, that's the movement skill we want on the bike because if you are twisting and leaning and your weight is shifting out from uh, your feet, right? Your, 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 your basically your balance point is shifting out away from your feet. Then that's what leads to off balance cornering and leads to crashing. And so that's where you get the advice. Sometimes people tell you to like to lean the bike and not your body. Well, it's like, yeah, if you don't know how to lean your body properly, uh, then you, you probably should just focus on trying to lean the bike because that is going to be the safer thing to do. But if you learn how to lean your body properly, you learn how to twist properly, you do need to freaking twist. You do need to lean your body and twist in order to create the rotational force necessary to corner properly. So uh, so again, I know I'm kind of like beating a dead horse at this point with it, but I just, I really want, want to try to like, 
you know, get this through people's minds that, man, if you do nothing else but start adding some windmills to your training routine, you're going to see great benefit in a lot of different areas. So, so add that exercise in if you're not uh, doing it. So the second thing that uh, people don't consider as much when they are talking about core training is breathing. And so uh, breathing definitely impacts your core strength and your ability to use it on the bike. Now, here's why. Your body will prioritize breathing over bracing, right? Breathing is more important than bracing in its, in its hierarchy of things. You have to breathe to live, right? So that means that if you aren't breathing with the right muscles, you're not using the diaphragm to drive your breathing, then your body has to use other muscles in the core in order to help drive the breathing. Now, the problem is if they're being used to help drive breathing, they can't be used to brace, right? So you can have adequate core strength, but struggle to use it on the trail and, and, you know, and or avoid your you know, low back pain because of bad breathing habits. So you can avoid this both through uh, breathwork training, so spending time working on your breathing and focusing on good breathing mechanics, and then applying those proper breathing mechanics to your strength and cardio training. Again, I, I can't emphasize that enough for people. If, if, you would, if people would just focus more on how they're breathing and then letting how they're breathing be a gauge for how hard to go both during their cardio and their strength training and being really wary of going harder than what their breathing can keep up with, their good breathing habits can keep up with, you would get way, way, way more out of your training in the gym. Like so many people are just simply training crappy breathing habits, right? Like, yeah, you're getting stronger. Yeah, you're, you're, you're building some cardio, but you're laying that on a foundation of really crappy breathing habits. And that is going to, like, that's a foundation of sand, right? That's not a solid foundation. So you're better off, you know, backing off a little bit, you know, building that foundation of good breathing habits, and then making sure that you are creating your fitness on top of that foundation of good breathing habits. That's what's really going to give you that longevity with your habits. And so again, especially as we get older, your breathing becomes way, way more important because, man, we just have to maximize everything that we can, right? Like we do start to lose fitness. Things do start to go downhill. And so if we can use everything that we can to maximize our fitness and, and, and make that decline as slow as possible, then it's going to help us. So again, you can get away with, with not worrying about this stuff in your 20s and, and 30s. But man, you really do have to start focusing on these things more as you get older. And so breathing is an extremely important part of your core strength. It, again, it's not something that, you know, we, we directly talk about it, right? We'll talk about all these strategies and exercises to help improve core strength, but then not talk to people about proper breathing mechanics to make sure that they can actually apply that core strength to the bike. Okay. So make sure that you aren't sabotaging yourself with bad breathing habits, both on the bike, um, and in the gym. So, uh, Proper core function and, and adequate core strength, they are necessary for performance on the bike and for helping to prevent overuse injuries, especially in the low back. So core training is, a, is an important part of your, your mountain biking training, right? So there's four things that you can do to help accomplish the most functional, strongest core possible, right? Number one is stand up more on the bike. Stop laying tension on the adult fetal position. Get more core engagement and do it in a, in a safer, uh, more functional position for your spine. So stand up more on the bike, especially during high tension efforts. 
Focus on using free weight exercises in the gym. Okay, so again, things like the Smith machine, machine training. It's not that you don't ever want to use those things. I would just limit them, especially if you're really limited on your time in the gym. Like if you can only get to the gym two days a week, then you definitely need to be spending most of your time with free weights because you want to make sure that you are getting that core engagement and that core training effect from everything that you're doing to uh, you know just really maximize that, that transfer from the gym uh, to your bike. You want to use exercises like the ab wheel, leg raises, and windmills to focus on core strength. And again, there are other good uh, exercises, things like the plank. Uh, man, holding like a low push-up position for time takes the plank to another level. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's other, I'm not saying that these are the only exercises that I ever use, but these are three kind of, you know, core, you know, no pun intended, uh, you know, I guess foundational core training exercises for, for, for me in my book and in the way that I look at it. So, uh, I would, I'd, I'd make sure that I was either really strong with those things and incorporating those things before I started focusing on a whole lot of other, uh, other things, right? Um, the windmill is something I'd probably have in my program. Like I try to have that in my program on some level almost all the time. I think it's that important. And then, so the fourth thing is to improve your breathing habits so you can actually use your core strength on the trail. Don't sabotage yourself with bad breathing habits and uh, make it harder on yourself. So, um, so those four things there. So again, like, you know, core training, you know, picking a, a, a few exercises, like, you know, two to four exercises um, and, and doing like two to four sets, uh, five to 10 reps. Again, some of this can change based on the exercise and, and stuff like that. But uh, in general, you're going to find your best results from sticking with something basic like that, right? Like, like two to four exercises, two to four sets, doing five to 10 reps, um, just getting inconveniently strong in, in that rep range is going to go a long way with your core training. So the, again, it doesn't need to be super fancy, doesn't need to be complicated, doesn't need to take up a huge part of your training, but you do need to have it and you just want to make sure that you're focusing on the right things while you're doing it. And so, um, so again, core training, it's super important, but it does not need to be complicated. So use these training tips to help you improve your core strength and core function so you can have more pain-free fun on the bike as you get older, because really that is the, the goal for all of us. Um, so, all right, so that, that does it for uh, this podcast. If you have any questions about this or anything related to riding, um, I'm always happy to help. You can hit me up at james at bikejames.com. You can find more info about uh, the, the Riding for a Lifetime training uh, system, I guess, and kind of the way that I approach it at bikejames.com. I've got a bunch of different training programs there. I've got the 40 plus year old rider training program. It's a very unique program. It uses isometrics, breath work, CO2 tolerance training, some very unique things uh, that I've found have really come in handy in helping me as I have uh, gotten older and it helped me you know, maintain and even improve my fitness in some areas and do it in a, in a safe, uh, pain-free way. Kind of a, isometrics are great for helping to build strength, um, especially if you're dealing with injuries or, or you know, uh, stuff like that. So um, you know, the 40 Plus program is great. I've got the uh, Guide to Better Breathing for Mountain Biking. Uh, again, this is a really comprehensive guide that goes into breathing, helps you assess your breathing, gives you all sorts of 
breathwork training and, and different things you can do goes into uh, CO2 tolerance training. I, I talk about how to use breathing to improve, you know, around things like competitions, right? How do you how do you use breathing to help maximize your performance at a competition, right? So there's there's so many different ways that we can use breathing to help improve our health and our fitness um, in a bunch of different areas. And so that guide to better breathing that I have goes into that in a bunch of different uh, bunch of different ways and, and in detail there. So and then you know I've got the ultimate MTB workout program, which is exactly what it sounds like. This is it's a six month off season, six month in season, covers strength, cardio, mobility, skills, mindset, just everything that you possibly need as a mountain biker, I have covered in the ultimate MTB workout program. It is the pinnacle of mountain bike training, uh, in, in, in my opinion. So, um, and again, I've got other programs there. I've got dumbbell program, I've got a kettlebell program, a body weight program. So I've got something to try to help uh, riders, wherever they're at, right? Wherever you're at, uh, whatever equipment you have access to, whatever experience you have, uh, hopefully I have something that can help you out. And if you have any questions about what program would be best for you, again, hit me up at james at bikejames.com and I'll be happy to, uh, to help you out. So um, once again, it's been James Wilson with MTB Strength Training Systems. Appreciate you guys spending some time with me. Hopefully you found this information helpful and I will talk to everybody next time.